This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Welcome to Grace River Online at Home. My name is Jacob and I get to be the Next Generations Pastor here at Grace River. I'm so excited that you're here, that you've joined us today. And I hope that today's message is a blessing for you. I hope that you're able to take a next step in your spiritual journey of what it means to meet, know, and follow Jesus. I'm really excited because we're in week two of our series called Joy to the World. Last week, Pastor Paul, our Next Steps Pastor, he brought an amazing word on it. How to ha uh, on how Jesus' birth brought joy to the whole world. But more specifically today, I want to talk to you about how you can experience personal joy. Uh, joy for your world. And I'm really excited about this. Last week, we defined joy as an inner gladness that's anchored in God. I think that if we're honest with ourselves, um, whether we like it or not, um, our lives can oftentimes be tied to the wrong anchor. Uh, to the anchor that doesn't include God. It could be the anchor of our finances. Uh, it could be the anchor of our circumstances. It could be the anchor of the approval of others. Like all of these things, they kind of keep us held back and, and, they, and they keep us from taking a step forward. Maybe it's even the anchor of our past. There's so many anchors in our life. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about how you can tie the anchor of your life to God. And what we'll see is that one of the results from that is joy. When you look at Luke 2, which is famously known as uh, the part of scripture that tells Jesus's birth story, um, which we're going to be spending most of our time at today. But in Luke 2, there's a story of angels that come to shepherds. And what the angels tell the shepherds is this. They say, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. This good news is that Emmanuel, God with us, is here, that he's born of a virgin. He's the one that we had hoped for. He's finally here. He's the one that prophets had, had talked about years before. This is the hope of the world, the joy of the world. And he comes to bring us so many good things. This is good news. And this good news brings great joy to all people. And I highlight this word, all people, because that includes you. That includes me. That includes all of your coworkers, your family. That includes everybody. Whenever it says all people, Scripture is literal here. It's, it's all people. And I think that sometimes we get caught in this lie that we aren't worthy of God, that we aren't worthy of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, that it's impossible for us to have the great joy that's talked about here in verse 10. And I think that oftentimes our circumstances have led us to believe that. Maybe if you're if, if you're honest with yourself, you're going through a pretty difficult time right now. And this is supposed to be the most joyful time of the year. But as you watch this, you can't help but think of some of the circumstances that you're facing. It's some uh, circumstances that have left you feeling pretty hopeless. Maybe you're going through some marital issues. Maybe you're going through the loss of a loved one. Uh, this is the very first Christmas that you're without your mom or your dad. Maybe... This is a really difficult season of life because you've gone through the loss 
of a child. I don't know what it is that you're facing. It could be the loss of a job. It, it could be anything. Circum there, there's a hundred different circumstances that I could list, but through what it is that you're going through, I think what's often asked is like, how can I have joy? You come to church and the Christmas time is a perfect time to talk about the joy that Jesus brings for all people. And you're like, yeah, the pastor, he says that, but it, it almost seems impossible for me to experience that sort of joy. Like, how do you experience joy when circumstances aren't going your way? That's what I'm excited to talk to you about today. But, uh, even whenever I read scripture, there, there are people that are filled with joy and they have the less than ideal kind of circumstances. For example, I look at Paul and Paul, he, he's the author of most of the New Testament. And uh, there's a few times in scripture that Paul talks about him having joy while he's in prison. How is that possible? How is it possible that Joseph could have joy after being sold into slavery from his brothers? How is it possible that the Macedonian church could be joyful in their giving when they're going through many trials and they're very poor? How is it possible for Jesus to have joy on his way to the cross? Hebrews 12.2 actually talks about that joy that Jesus had. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he did what? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So Jesus didn't have this kind of jolly joy that maybe we think of, but he had this joy, as our definition explains, that is anchored in God because he, he ended up understanding the outcome. And so he was able to endure the pain and the suffering on the cross. It didn't lessen the blows of the nails that were going through his hands as he was on the cross because he had joy, right? He still experienced some hard times, but what he understood was the joy that was awaiting him. And that joy that was awaiting him gave him purpose. And here's what I know about purpose is that pain with purpose is far greater than pain without purpose. I'm gonna say that again. Pain with purpose is far greater than pain without purpose. With Jesus and because of Jesus, I want you to know that you have purpose. There's a reason that your heart beats. There's a reason that you have air in your lungs. Jesus has come to this earth, born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. And because of that, you have a purpose. And so even though you're going through some pretty painful times right now, if you're honest with yourself, circumstances are less than ideal. You've got the circumstances that have left you feeling hopeless. They've left you with tears in your eyes as you lay down at night. Your circumstances have left you shaking your hands at God, maybe cursing God, wondering if he sees you, if he understands you, if he hears you. Can I challenge you to find a way to let joy penetrate the pain that you're experiencing? Let joy penetrate the pain that you are experiencing. When you do that, what I believe is that there's going to be some sort of a breakthrough. On the back side of that, you're going to look back and you're going to see what God was able to do. 
But if you're honest with yourself, in the moment, that seems next to impossible. So how do you do that? You do that by understanding that joy is a focus, not a feeling. If you're going to let joy penetrate the pain that you're going through, the, the pain that you're experiencing, it's going to require a focus. But more specifically, it's going to require a focus on God. I think so oftentimes, especially in this season, it's really easy to focus on other people, what other people have. And, and it's easy to focus on anything except for God, especially whenever life isn't going the way that you want it to. But my challenge to you is to live out this mantra, this mantra, and, and, and say this a lot. Whenever you're going through less than ideal circumstances, here's some things that I have found are these five words, he will get me through. Oftentimes, whenever I go through troubles and trials in this life, I, I repeat scripture back to myself. And, and I'll find truths from scripture. I'll, I'll find things like this to repeat to myself to help me understand that he will get me through. 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 When Jesus was born, they called him Emmanuel which literally means God with us. What an amazing promise that we have, that God is with us. You see, the, the thing that we want in this Christian life is, is an easy life. We expect an easy life, but that's not the promise in Scripture. The promise for Christians is not that you wouldn't ever battle trials and troubles, right? That the, the the promise is actually that you're going to face those things, but you have a purpose. And that purpose and that, and that hope that you have is that God is with you. That Emmanuel, God with us, will help us through whatever it is that we are going through. And that brings joy. He will get me through. He will get me through. He will get me through. In that pain, would you decide to grow through what it is that you're going through? Don't waste this pain that you're going through. As a matter of fact, it sounds really difficult to you right now, but would you decide to grow through what it is that you're going through? So that way, whenever you get on the backside of whatever it is that you're going through that's, that's leaving tears in your eyes, that's, that's leaving painful moments, it, it, it really makes you want to throw the towel in. Would you, whenever you get to the backside of that, if you would decide now to grow through what it is that you're going through, what you'll see is just how faithful God was in that circumstance. But it, it requires a focus on God. The danger is that whenever you tie your life to the wrong anchor, it doesn't help anything. What, what ends up happening is that the storms of life will come because that's guaranteed. Christian or not, you're going to experience storms. You're going to experience hardships. And whenever those storms come and you have your anchor in something that is like, uh, that's, that's like a floating device, it has no weight, it has no sustenance. The danger is that whenever those waves come, they're gonna crash against you and they're gonna make you feel like you're drowning, like you can't go any further. But whenever you have your life tied to the anchor 
of God, there's a confidence that you have. And that confidence, it brings joy. It's not this jolly joy, right? It's this inner gladness that's anchored in God. You remind yourself that I'm not going through this alone. And whenever you understand that you're not going through your pain alone and that you have confidence that God is right there with you in the middle of the storm, that will bring joy to your life. Every time that I go through a trial, remembering the confidence that I have because of the promise of God being with me brings me joy. And I think that it can do the exact same thing for you. So you've got to remember that joy is a focus, not a feeling. And I want you to understand that like every time you focus on Jesus, every time you encounter Jesus, it changes you. Like every single time. And the, the example that I want to use in the Christmas season, I want, I want to continue on in this story in Luke 2, is the story of the shepherds. The, the shepherds encountered Jesus. They went from not focusing on Jesus to focusing on Jesus, and it changed their lives. This is what it says in Luke 2, verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And then suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now, why were they terrified? You're thinking, oh, it's Jesus. They shouldn't be terrified. Well, it's because they weren't focused on what was happening. They were focused on their sheep. They were focused on their flock. And so, of course, they were terrified because there was this bright light. They're out in the middle of a field, and then an angel comes and talks to them. Like, this is a pretty crazy story. And then in verse 10, the angel talks to them. We read this earlier, but it says that the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So they're like, okay, great. Now what? And then you jump to verse 13 and it says that suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Right, so if one angel wasn't scary enough, imagine an entire army of angels comes to you and they start talking to you and they say, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And then you look at verse 15 and it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the angels, they went back up into heaven and the shepherds, they did the craziest thing. They left their flock, which would have been a really big deal. And they go into town where they're not welcomed. They go to Bethlehem and they say, we've got to see what's happening and so they hurried to the village. I love, I love that part. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. I, I like that first part because uh, it created the sense of urgency. They didn't waste any time, right? They didn't just put their walking shoes on. They put their running shoes on because they hurried to go and see what was happening. I don't know, if it was me, I'm, I'm, hoping, that it's, it, that I'm hoping that the angels aren't lying, but... If they are, you're like, man, this could be the greatest prank of all time. But I sense no bit of hesitation whenever I read the stories about the shepherds because they hurried 
to go find baby Jesus lying in a manger. And then it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. They didn't keep it to themselves. They had to tell everybody about what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. This was a pretty crazy story. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. And in the final verse, I want you to focus on verse 20. It says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So the shepherds' encounter with Jesus changed them. They got to experience firsthand the good news of great joy that comes for all people, the hope of the world. They got to experience it firsthand. They got to, ex- they got to see Emmanuel, God with us. The joy of the world is now the joy of their world. And I want us to get to a point as a church where the joy of the world now becomes the joy of like our own personal world. Like, do we understand the joy that Jesus gives us? Do we believe the joy? Do we accept the joy that he has given to us? And the response, again, I love their response. It says, they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. They couldn't contain it to themselves. I, I pray that we would have the heart attitude of the shepherds in this story, that we would go back, once we experience that joy, that we would go back and tell others about what God has done in our lives. So as we close out today, I have some next steps. And I want you to understand that like one encounter with Jesus changes you. The moments that you spend in unity with God, they change you. And so with this, I have... Three next steps. And as we go through these, I pray that you would not only consider what your next step is, but that you would have the courage to take it. The first one is, would you choose to believe the good news of great joy? The good news of great joy. And the good news is that Jesus came born of a virgin, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. But it doesn't stop there. The good news is that he lived a perfect and sinless life that he died a brutal death on the cross. And the hope that I have to share with you today is that God, that Jesus didn't remain dead, that he conquered the grave, that he defeated death, that he did the very thing that he said he was going to do. So what does all of this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me? Well, it's because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that you and I have the opportunity to believe and receive that good news. And whenever you believe and receive that good news, it, it, it saves you. Scripture actually says, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Some of us, we think that we have to clean our act up before we choose to believe the good news of, of great joy. But I'm here to tell you, all it requires is belief in your heart. And so in in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose to believe the good news of great joy. The second next step that we have is to refocus on Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian and you're watching this here today, but if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, 
Um, you have purposely or accidentally tied the anchor of your life to something else. Would you come back to God? Would you refocus on him and understand that whenever you put your faith and trust in him, whenever you refocus on Jesus, he gives you a purpose. It's this renewed sense of purpose. And what I know is that pain with purpose is far greater than pain without purpose. Would you come back to that anchor? Would you retie the anchor of your life to Jesus? Would you refocus on him? Because he will get you through. He will get you through. Again, let that be the mantra of this week, of this month, of even this upcoming year, to understand that whenever you go through pain, that he will get you through. The third next step that I have is to tell others about the good news. See, the worst thing that we can do is to keep the good news of Jesus to ourselves. We can follow the shepherd's example here. The shepherds encountered the hope of the world. They encountered the joy of the world and they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. Here's what I know, that if, if, we're, gonna, if we're gonna be Christians that are on mission, it's going to require us to tell others about the good news of Jesus. So think about what your next step is and pray for the courage to have that. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray for the, for the people that, that would find themselves in this first next step. Maybe you need to choose to believe the good news. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. And I want you to understand that this prayer is, is not what saves you. I want you to speak this prayer out loud as a way of surrender to Jesus, not because I'm asking you to, but because you're saying, Jesus, I want you to take control of my life. I want to surrender my life over to you. And I want you to understand that whenever I pray this prayer, it's not the thing that saves you. What saves you is simply a belief in your heart. And so I want to pray for you and then we'll be finished. God, we love you and we're so thankful that you would send your only son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. What an amazing hope that we have, that we don't have to go through the trials and, and tribulations of life alone. And, and here's what I know is that there's people that are watching this today that have yet to believe and receive the good news of the gospel. It's because you sent Jesus to this earth that we have the opportunity to even be in a relationship with you, God. For the person that's watching here today, would you pray this prayer? God, I admit that I've fallen short, that my sin is the very thing that has separated me from you. And today is the day moving forward, I'm choosing to believe in you. I believe and receive the good news of the gospel, that you came for me, that you died on a cross for me and that you rose again so that, I would have a, so that I would have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with you. And I confess you and only you as the Lord of my life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday 
at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.